Welcome to the Distro One Podcast, Episode 3, Gaming! Welcome to Distro One, Episode 3 Podcast. Episode 3, running a little late, but better late than never. So, uh, yeah, this is it, the third... Installment. Epi- installment, episode. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, here we, this is it, this is the October edition, and we are talking... Games. Games. Gaming. Uh, all sorts of games. There's plenty of uh, variety out there to choose from. Uh, I myself, I'm a big gamer, um, uh, dork, geek, whatever your uh, route you want to take with that. Um, but I won't back down from it. Uh, I've been gaming for wow since I was probably 12 years old. Wow. Um, 12, 13 years old. Uh, I still play games with the same crew, and by games, I mean like. Dungeons and Dragons, board games, uh, just a bunch of different stuff um, that we've that we've played over the years. Uh, Franz has been uh, a participant in yes, those games for, as for well many, for many many years now. I've uh, been partaking in the the gaming nights and the weekly gaming sessions. Not so much lately due to you know life getting in the way and schedules and whatnot. But yeah, this is uh and uh, yeah, I've been doing that for quite some time, a good few years now. And uh, I just wanted to ask, what was some of your earliest Earliest games, even going back in the going back as a kid, like what do you got? What do you remember that stands out? And if you want to hit us up on that, you can hit us up at our comment line four one two two zero four seven one eight zero. That's yeah. our comment line. It's a Google Voice line, so try and keep it uh, under three minutes, or it'll cut you off, and we won't get the rest of your message. Yes, that that would that would suck. But yeah, so yeah, drop us a line. What what uh what games do you remember playing? What games do you love? RPGs are kind of what got us started, um, or at least what got me started. Um, role playing games, all kinds of role playing games, um, Dungeons and Dragons, Shadow Run. I mean, if I were to start naming them, I would prove how much of a dork I am. Uh, but the one that stuck with me over the years, and I think uh, stuck with Franz over the years, is uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, we've been through several different uh, iterations of that game. Uh, I've played from the original D and D in the box with the, uh, you know, with the little pamphlet like books. Yeah, um, the, the original like Gary Gygax like seventies style. Yeah, stuff you write. Uh, where your your character choices were human, elf, dwarf. <laughs> so uh, it was a, it was definitely a, it was definitely a different world. And then uh, went on to Advance Dungeons and Dragons. Um, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons was. The one that all of the media hype was about in the early 70s. Uh, there were some artists that got their hands on uh, a couple of copies of like the Advanced Player's Guide and the Dungeon Master's Guide, which um, the Dungeon Master's Guide had a huge demon on the front. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Orcus, I believe, was the name of that demon. Uh, holding, uh, he was holding some woman or something, uh, probably a gift of a sacrifice or whatever. Or just um, lunch. You know, lunch, you never know. snack time. Yeah. Um, and then uh, there's some the people got got their hands on that and they really went and ran with it and put kind of a bad propaganda sort of face on Dungeons and Dragons, um, and it it survived. Um, people like to role play, yeah, uh, which is evident in today's uh, video game markets, huge role playing markets out there. Um, there's like the Elder Scrolls uh, sort of games. There are uh, Quite a few uh, Final Fantasy. I mean, yeah, what Final are they Fantasy on now? Series. Like Final Fantasy 247. Yeah, well, in Japan. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're only on like, what, 14 now no, in just, the States? But there are quite a few Final Fantasy uh, Final Fantasy games. 
Um, and then there's a lot of uh, FPS, like first-person shooter games, that have spun off to a role-playing-esque style as opposed to more shooter style. Yeah, especially now, uh, the latest the latest with uh, Gears of War 3 that came out late September, they actually do have a leveling system, and in multiplayer stuff, you can upgrade to different skills depending on the different elements of that multiplayer uh, element to the game. So it, it's almost like a role-playing, like leveling up kind of feature to that. So even so, even uh, uh, first-person per- first shooter games are getting into that action too. And I'm not much for first-person shooters. I always felt like they made me dizzy. Um, but uh, I am a big fan of the third-person shooter games, uh, and there are uh, quite a few of those third-person games, Gears of War being the yeah. one. Um, that I like. Um, Elder Scrolls has the option to actually jump out of the first person's pr- perspective and go to that you know three quarter overview or over the shoulder um, sort of view that you have. And um, what's the other one that we were playing? I was playing the other day, Ghost Recon, which is yeah. one of my favorite games. Uh, it's one of the hardest games I've ever played. Yeah, very realistic. Has a very realistic tinge to it, which make it which makes it somewhat challenging at times. Yeah, I mean, like, unless, like, if you get shot in the head, you don't lose energy and able to continue. That your character is dead. Yeah, you lose your life, as uh, in most uh, real world scenarios would occur. And it's a teamwork game. It requires more than one person. There's no way that you can take on the campaign modes by yourself. Um, so you have to get together with a group of people to take on some of these, uh, you know, some of these battle modes and. For me, that's a lot of fun because I like to coordinate efforts. I like to be part of a team, which is one of the things that uh, works out very well with Dungeons and Dragons because it's a very team-oriented game. Um, you kind of almost need like the minimum of like five characters playing yeah. in order to have enough people filling enough roles to survive a lot of adventures. You need a cleric, someone that can heal. You need a fighter, someone that can stand in the front lines and deal out punishment and, and take damage. You need a thief, someone that can open locks. They, they call them rogues now. They don't. Uh, they pulled the yeah, thief what, out what, of the yeah, title. What, what edition was that when they switched that over? Uh, they switched that over in 3.0. They went from uh, thief to rogue. Right, okay. Um, oh, right. When they went into Dungeons & Dragons 3.0. Um, I guess they wanted to put a friendlier face on, uh, on thievery. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> if you can do such a thing, but yeah, and it, like it worked lock, for Robin Hood, yeah. Lock picking went from lock picking to disabled device, and yeah. uh, they, you know, they tried to friendly it up a little bit, um, but all the way through like backstab is sneak attack. Yes, now. Yeah, yeah, backstab is sneak attack. Um, you no longer do sneak attack damage; you do uh, opportunity damage. Right. Um, <laughs> so uh, they 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 dumbed down uh, the violence, at least in the language. Um, can't really take the violence out of the game. I mean, you're fighting monsters. Yeah, with swords uh, and spears and magic and spells. Yeah, so. and you're fighting ma- monsters and just evil mofos. But that's one of the things that we wanted to talk about today is gaming. I ran a game in college that Franz played. Um, yeah, that was a long time. That was, which like was many a, years. Yeah, a long time the, ago. Yeah, that was in between. Uh, back in the speaking of RPGs, back in the mid. Early mid '90s, back when like the big PC Diablo was big, we had oh, yeah. many hours wait of my life wasted playing Diablo. But yeah, <laughs> but no, yeah, you were in a, you were in a game for a long time. It was a 
And then when we moved out, um, I carried that same campaign over and ran it for, I don't know, two or three months um, at Allegheny Center. Yeah, back back years ago. When, when was that? Like, like oh, it would have early... been like 97, 98 yeah, that in that, was, in that yeah. window. Yeah. Um, and then we, uh, then we moved on to uh, my friend Adam moved back down to Pittsburgh. Uh, we started playing his game. Uh, he started yeah. running. Um, yeah, he's been he's been DMing almost ever since, really. And so. yeah, Adam was my first DM. Um, he would be the guy that was running the games when I was twelve or thirteen. Uh, we had some very interesting ways to play games because we couldn't always get together. We couldn't drive yet. We all lived kind of far apart, so we tried to play at school and. School was not very friendly towards um, Dungeons and Dragons, so we weren't allowed to bring in dice to school. Um, we weren't allowed to do any of those sort of things, so we had to come up with uh, a different way of, of playing the game. And basically what we decided to do as opposed to rolling dice was we would have a, uh, a number choosing system where if you were to roll, like let's say, a 20-sided, which is your normal two-hit die, um, meaning... I'm going to hit that person or that monster. Um, you would choose a number between 1 and 20. After the DM had chosen a number between 1 and 20, you would add those numbers together. If you got to 20, you would, of course, roll over. Um, and eventually you would get to your number. So if I had, if I chose 5 and he chose 5, then the result would have been 10. If I had chose 5 and he had chosen 20, the result, of course, would have been 5 because you, right. you roll over. Right. Um, and that worked really well for us. And uh, But the problem was it's more fun to just sit down and roll the dice. Right. There's, something, there's right. something magnificent about rolling a die across the table and having it determine a result for you. Uh, sometimes it is the worst feeling in the world, and sometimes it's the best feeling in the world. Yeah, because the randomness does make it. Like, if you're really in a pinch, and everyone's dead or dying, and you need just one more hit, you know, one more hit on this thing is going to drop it, and you roll it, and it and it starts to slow down, and you see that two, which is being a lower number, it would probably miss, and it rolls over to like a 19 or 20, that's a great feeling. So. Uh, yeah, that last moment, and you drop that ogre or whatever yeah. you were fighting and save the party. Um, it gives it a, like a very movie feel yeah. because like you really are left up to chance. I mean, in the movies, it always work. It almost always works out for you know your hero, but in in this game, it can have dire consequences. But yeah, uh, played those. We went from playing first edition primarily with a, a mixture of second edition added in. Um, and I think that's the the, the version that uh, Franz and I played yeah, when uh, yeah. when I ran in uh, college, and then from there we picked up and we started playing 3.0, which they made some major improvements, and I think they really did retool the game uh, to be a lot more player and DM friendly. They made the game just it gave it a little bit better of a flow. Uh, 3.5 came out to fix a few of the errors that were in 3.0, and then they came out with fourth edition, which. To start out, you think it's wonderful. Um, they changed a lot of things. They they made the game flow really, really simplistic. Um, but man, they really took away a lot of options. Everything got to feel routine. Everything got to feel the same. So we dropped that and we went back to 3.5. Yeah, didn't you guys say like 4th edition was like 
the Walt Disney version of like yeah, D&D. Yeah, absolutely. It's like the exactly the Pixar. It's like the Disney D&D. version of D and D. So we went ahead and we went back to three point five, and while in the in, in the middle of switching over, we found uh, this website called Paizo, and Paizo has a three point five variant of the game. Um, based on the OGL, which is the open gaming license that Wizards of the Coast, who owns Dungeons and Dragons, um, put out the open gaming license. So they had uh, liberties to go ahead and make changes to the game and put out supplements. And once they went over to fourth edition, they said, well, we're just going to go ahead and write our own core rules. And uh, they did a fantastic job of balancing out the game and just bringing it back to that real sort of open-ended world feel where you had a lot of choices. Uh, fourth edition got to the point where it was just like, I will either use my reaping strike or my, you know, plus two to hit strike. It just got very routine. You didn't have a lot of options. Right. Um, and your powers were very expendable and things yeah, like that. Yeah, one special move or one other special move. And you didn't have, like, in, in the spells in the old games, you used to be able to affect the environment and in the new game 4.0 they took all of the environmental effects out like so you couldn't put ice on the ground for someone to slip on you could attack them with an ice spell but you couldn't make the terrain difficult like it just took on such a a, a kid's glove approach to um, managing the rules so we we dropped it um but on that note like huge gamers right Franz and i yes. um play a lot I think you play probably, probably a lot more video games than I do. Uh, not not much. Not too many. I've been kind of falling out with it. I haven't really been playing much of anything really except uh, well, well, of course, like Gears of War 3 came out. You know, I beat... You know, then I, you know, you beat that in a weekend. It's like, ugh. But I'm going through it again on a higher difficulty, so that's nice. Uh, I like Horde mode. <laughs> yeah. They really tweaked Horde mode, too. I don't know if any Gears of War fans out there, but... They really tweak that horde of five five man team horde multiplayer because you need need money now, and I'm still on the fence with that kind of stuff. It's an interesting tweak, but it's like I'm not gonna ask Justin, "Hey, can you break a fifty during this war?" Because I need to get some bullets. <laughs> you know, they have this money system now, which is kind of strange, but which I thought was kind of interesting because you can actually pass your money around. All right, you can like you okay. can run up to people between the in the interim stages and and. You can actually pass your money around. Although I am a level three on the spike sh- spike strips now. Nice. I can do that. I don't. I don't know how, but I'm at le- level three. I can lay down some razor wire, I guess, on the ground. So. And that's fun. And and what he's referring to is in the game. In order to survive, you have to put up physical barriers, and there's areas where you can build barriers, but it costs you. Um, in between each round, um, you put up these barriers. Like Twenty seconds, have... thirty seconds, or something. Yeah, I think yeah. you have like twenty seconds. Um, but then, like, a wave of these enemies comes, and you have to basically hold whatever area you've chosen to defend as long as you can. Right. Yeah. Um, nice uh, nice little thing, a nice little cooperative kind of kind of multiplayer game that they, they implemented in the, in the second Gears of War game. So, yeah, it's pretty nice. And then you can, see, you can see that's how I, I end up always back at those games where you have to be a part of a team in yeah. order to be successful. Uh, yeah. That's why I love the Horde mode. Yeah. Um, we played. We played a lot of board games over the years. Um, we found. Yeah, well, speaking of well, speaking of uh, uh, cooperative board games, I mean, and also coming from someone like myself who's a big Lovecraft fan, the the game Arkham Horror, the board game Arkham Horror is is one of my favorite. Now, is it new? 
Um, out, out within the last couple years? Relatively or new. Yeah. Um, it's actually been discontinued and then re-continued. Wow. But it is not that old. Um, I don't know the copyright date on it, but I would be hesitant to say that it's older than 2003. Right. Okay. Um, I would think that would have been about... That's that feels about right. Okay. Um, but yeah, if you uh, if you get the opportunity, look up Arkham Horror uh, online, and uh, it was discontinued for a while, so it was really hard to get. But now it's been re-released. Um, a lot of expansions, and uh, yeah. you can find it on Amazon.com actually. No, no, um, wow. That was the last place I found yeah. it, and it had free shipping. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. And that's how I roll. Yeah. Right? Whenever yeah. I can save that shipping, yeah. I go for it. Yeah, but no, that, yeah, that's a nice, that's a really nice board game. It's kind of like a turn-based thing. Where a group a group of group of players play against the game, which is a nice little concept. Usually, it's just everyone kind of against each other. Against each other, but you play against the game. You you're in this Lovecraftian world in this town, Arkham. Arkham. And I'm pretty sure that's where they got the insane asylum from in Batman comics. And uh, you fight. You team up with these other players, and you have and these portals open, and these monsters pour out into the city, and you have to jump into portals and and close them and then fight monsters and then but but always in the back there's like there's like a, a clock ticking where the the ancient one like Cthulhu where somebody will pop out of the sea or something and then just like lay waste to everything so you're kind of on a clock so you have to get through I think it's a great and being a Lovecraft fan I think it's a really great great game and between each turn um, because different portals are opening up and the influence of this alternate reality is slowly seeping through the environment changes so like you you draw a card every time like every round at the beginning of every turn and it can it can drastically change the environment like at one point the streets can be flooded so you're stuck uh, where you're located or like I mean there's probably hundreds of, of different variants like that. And then you can buy different equipment and things like that. Um, you can find a different equipment based on different like mini adventures that you right. can go on in the game. Right. Um, and then in order to win, you have to either seal gates or close gates. Um, and the objective really is to seal gates. It's, it's the it's really the best way because they I can't think, reopen. There's no aspect that will have them reopen again if you seal them. Actually, seal them with a a symbol, like a special symbol that you get throughout the game. So yeah, and uh, it's it's great how it, you know it changes because the monsters can get bonuses or um, they can get weakened. So it depends on how that environment influences them and influences the, everything else. Uh, to how well you do, and you know you might be the closest person to a gate, so uh, you need to jump through that gate and close it so that the other guys can go on and like try and gain seals and things like that to close other gates. And uh, it's really cooperative. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of talking in between turns and working together. Right. Yeah. So we love it. We're a fan. We're fans of Arkham Horror. And then there's some there's some more uh, competition style games. There's uh, some more German style competition games. Yeah, German style. If people aren't really familiar with German style games. That's a lot of board games that are very much like tile based or. How would you subscribe German uh, game? Because I know they have the different tiles they can set down that makes the board different every time. Uh, they're goal oriented games. Right. Okay. Um, and you have to usually build, create. Set up um, a base. I mean, imagine um, 
Warcraft, like the original Warcraft, where you um, where you fought orcs or you were orcs and you fought humans. So you kind of have to build and grow um, crops and things like that, or um, you have to build roads and houses. It's a lot of them are very um, are based a lot on what you can create and how well your strategy of creation is. Right. Um, like Carcassonne. Yeah, Carcassonne's um, popular. Yeah. Where you where you build you, know, you place tiles and you build. Um, and then there is um, Settlers of Catan where the tiles are already placed and you have to build. Like so you have to build like houses and roads and uh, you have to get different commodities. Um, it's a and, and between turns like the more commodities you get, then the more houses and roads you can build. Right. Um, it's a it's very interesting how how it can play out. And then there's uh there's one char- there's like a, there's a single character that is part of the game that is not part of the player group that's like the thief and uh depending on the role of a die outcome, you get to move the thief around and try and screw other players over. So, yeah. It's a it's definitely Settlers is a, a really big competition game. Yeah. Settlers like um, Catan, isn't there like championships around the world? There are there are tournaments. For that, that are, uh, I believe they're money tournaments. Oh, <laughs> like, I, would, I wouldn't doubt like it. Yeah, big I payouts at the end of those, kind of like uh, like Magic the Gathering. Um, yeah. <laughs> wow, I'm really dorking it up right here. <laughs> the, wor- the World Series of Settlers of Catan somewhere out there. Uh, which it, which does have a have a sort of a Magic the Gathering flavor, but uh, you don't actually. Yeah. You don't. <laughs> Middle light tastes great. That's fine. <laughs> you don't. Uh, you don't pre-compile your decks. You play with what becomes available available to you based on the turn. That's uh, you know based on your turn or whatever the dice roll are or whatever cards you draw. Um, my personal one of my personal favorite games is um, I like to call them race game is uh, Robo Rally. Yeah, Robo Rally, which yeah. is not one of Franz's favorite. No, games. I don't really care for it. I know there's always that one game people that play a lot of games, video games, board games, whatever you what have you. There's always some games you just don't care for. And, Roborelli is one of mine, but I can see how people can like it, because you know I'm being a, and and this is this is coming from a diehard like hardcore robot fan, that it's I don't know just maybe it's the gameplay maybe it's the strategy thing but I just don't really care although although the little the miniatures of all the different kind of robots in there are, are pretty cool. sweet yeah pretty sweet so essentially you have to uh, was that you roll you roll some dice. To start off with that, or is it just you have a series of p- tiles to get to a certain objectives? Um, basically, you lay down um, different tiles, and each tile is a, a strange environment. Like, might have uh, but it's conveyor mo- belts, mostly or, conveyor belts with different traps and things in there. Yeah, yeah. It might, so it might have conveyor belts or pits or things like that, um, and you get cards that are direction cards. So basically what you do is you program your robot. And the idea behind it is is there's these flags that are set up all around along the different environmental boards and you have to get the flags before anyone else does. So you get these cards and like one of them might be a turn left, a turn right, one of them might be a reverse card, one of them might be um, forward, one space, two spaces or three spaces. And you have to play these cards. You have to use all of them. So you have to program your robot um, at the beginning of the turn. And then when everybody's done programming the robot, everybody flips their first tile or it flips their first card. Each card has uh, like a, a rating. Like the higher the rating, the 
faster that card activates, the faster that program activates in your robot, and your robot does that action, which can then be affected by board movements. Every time you flip a card, you move, the board activates. Every time you flip a card, you move, the board activates. So your robots end up running into each other because you didn't plan on your robot moving after somebody else's. Then you end up pushing them onto a conveyor or into a pit. Um, so the you really have to try and program your robot to not take the same path as another robot, but try and get to the flags as fast as possible. Right. Uh, it is big-time strategy and a lot of fun. And your robots get damaged throughout. And after you get to a point where you take so much damage, um, you get less cards to program your robot. So uh, the objective is to stay as healthy as possible so you have more cards to program so that you aren't the one that's lagging behind. It's a really fun game. Cool. cool. Yeah, so that, that, yeah, just a couple, just a couple games that we've played that we're into that we recommend uh now going on i guess we are uh, it's about time for the uh the recurring segment of the distro one podcast one of the uh always both big art fans so especially with everything from all different kinds of art including t-shirt art and here we have the third the on- only three since it is only episode three that we have the distro one T-shirt of the month, and this is coming from a company based out of right here, out of the steel city of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, called the Cotton Factory, which you can find them at cottonfactory.com, and this one, the T-shirt is entitled Black Coffee, and anyone who is a punk rock fans would actually, and coffee fans would actually appreciate this, Uh, you have uh, simply a black T-shirt with the white black flag bars, anyone familiar with the uh, West Coast punk band Black Flag and their iconic logo of the of the four bars uh indicating like the minimalistic flag waving in the breeze and on the far side is a loop adjacent to the to the to the uh kind of the looking at the logo at the leftmost bar making it look like a coffee mug that is fantastic it's called black coffee Available at CottonFactory.com. Just a shout out to all the artists and everybody out at the Cotton Factory. Great job on that shirt. They have a lot of other great tees as well. Go and check them out. Follow them. Follow them on Twitter at Cotton underscore Factory. You can find them on Facebook at, let's see where we got here. We've got the The Cotton Factory at Facebook.com slash The Cotton Factory. Check them out. Great shirts. Uh, I think they have got hoodies. They have other other uh, merchandise available. Uh, really good stuff. Check them out. And continuing on with the art aspect, we have the uh, kind of the, the artist of the month, the shout out of the month. And uh, Justin, if you want to take that away, we want to give a quick plug to Brian Holderman. Uh, Brian Holderman, I was uh, looking for um, a show to go and see here in Pittsburgh because I like to frequent the galleries, and uh, I was browsing the internet. And I saw um, a show um, located in uh, Highland Park here in Pittsburgh, uh, not too far from where I'm located, uh, not too far from where our little Distro One studio has taken uh, taken roost. And uh, I loved his work. Like uh, honestly, like I couldn't get off the website once I got on because yeah. I just I kept clicking on all of the images. He has a, a has a 
host of images on his website. And that website's bholderman.com. B-H-O-L-D-E-R-M-A-N.com. And it is, uh, it's some very, um, it, this is the perfect month for it. It's uh, kind of spooktacular art. It Wouldn't is. you say? It is. It's very, uh, a lot of the color, although it's, it's very bright, but very muted at the same time. I know he's got, it. it's, his art style is very, like, retro, but not old-fashioned. Like, and it's got a lot of great color. His, co- his use of color is great. His composition is great. It's really, you, you swear, as soon as, if you were to, if you would visit Beholderman.com, if you would go, you know you've seen art, you've seen movie posters, you've seen greeting cards, you've seen, you've seen stuff in this style, like flyers for concerts, like album covers, that, like, you could have sworn you've seen this guy before, and it's just a great use of composition and color, and, like, the influences, you have, like, a lot of the skeletons, and a lot of, like, the demon girls, and the vampires, and he also has a lot of he also has a really great T-shirt design on this on this on this site that I'm yeah. When you go to the main up. site, um, at the the right in the center, the primary logo there is a there's a link to a T-shirt which is very very good. Uh, if you get an opportunity to check it out, bholderman.com. That's bholderman.com. Um, you can also find him on Facebook at I think it's Holderman Art. Facebook.com slash Holderman Art. Yeah, definitely check him out. Check out his work if you're a fan of. Uh, if you're a fan of a just nice like design, a lot of a, a little bit creepy stuff, a little you know, especially with being the month of Halloween. I mean, this could be right up your alley. So I know when I first saw it, I told Franz, I was like, "This makes me want to get a tattoo." Like uh, yeah. some of it is uh, the yeah. colors are so like like Franz said, muted but like vibrant at the same time. Um, there's a crispness to all of the art that is just really like. I don't know. For yeah, my art, my artistic palette, it feels right. Yeah, yeah. It seems, and it seems like it. It almost it does seem like everyone. Not sure his his artistic process, but it almost looks like they're all hand painted, even though they may not be. They all look they have this hand painted feel to them. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I I'd even said that it reminded me of like the cartoon Samurai Jack, like the stark yeah. lines but like the, the background and the, and the environments too like the painting of the backgrounds yeah that's very kind of Samurai Jack Gandhi Tartakovsky style stuff so so well um, if you get a chance again check him out on Facebook we've got Holderman Art at Facebook um, and we've got uh, bholderman.com check him out check out his work you'll be glad you did so yeah one of the other things I wanted to talk about in the uh RPG and gaming realm is yeah. something that we don't really even get into. Uh, LARPing. Oh, yes. LARPing. L-A-R-P. That's live action role playing. No. Never. Never got into it. Never uh, wanted, never curious, you know. Running around like outdoors with chain mail. No. But my thing. it is interesting. I mean, and it is an aspect that, like, if you're going to talk about gaming, and especially if you're going to talk about role playing, keep it keep it more need, wide range. Yeah. You need to bring it up. Yeah. And and LARPing, um, we get to experience this. Um, you know, every year we go to a gaming convention um, or two, like depending on uh, you know how we feel that year. But yeah. we always go to at least one, and there's always um, a group of kids running around, um, maybe even adults dressed up like. And you've got to give them props on the costumes. A lot. No, of these great. Kids. You have to understand. Like now, I'm not. It, I only say like it's not really for me. But I'm not. I don't really know enough about it. But 
you do have to kind of admire these people like their a their dedication b their passion for it and the time they take for these costumes some of these costumes are pretty intricate so i have to give it to them like there's got there's some talented people that are making these costumes like and go doing this i mean and i mean you can put this on the level with uh individuals that really get serious about cosplay right uh i mean they take time to put these things together and i mean you'll have you'll have a guy roll out and you'll just be like wow that guy looks like a move, a guy from a movie, like a steampunk yeah. movie yeah. or something. Or he walked um, off a Lord of the Rings in New Zealand set, you know. Or like, yeah, or or stepped right out of like a vampire flick or something yeah. with the, you know, with the big uh, cravat, like big the cravat, cravat, and yeah, like the, and the, the, the suits, yeah. and the, like the black silky looking suits, and, the, and like the cane and all that. And and they, and they go to extremes. I mean, they adopt. Uh, accents or yeah. it's very much um, acting, acting a part, yeah. And and they'll do this for an entire weekend. Uh, and it, I mean, it's definitely it's definitely great to watch. Um, but you know, then there are other aspects of it. That you're just like, I don't know if I could get into that. You know, they're doing rock paper scissors in the hallway yeah. to resolve something, or uh, <laughs> you know, they're having a, a discussion uh, that involves you know. Goat's milk, or I, who yeah. knows? Yeah, and it's yeah, very especially, especially with like like the our uh, our annual convention. Like you see these guys dressed in black in the in like the courtyard of this day's in. It's like are they dealing drugs? Oh, it's oh, it's it's larping, larping. Oh, they're, they're talking. Okay, they're okay. But so, again, we we'll, mad props on the dedication and devotion yeah. to their craft, if you will. Because um, man, some of these costumes are are fantastic. Yeah, and. Um, if I if I get a chance, I'll try and pull some LARPing photos down and and throw a couple of quick links up in the uh, in the Distro One uh, show notes. Um, but yeah, uh, unbelievable. So yeah, man. Well, this looks to be. I'd say I'd say this is just about this is just about it. They're just about done. Yeah, the episode three on gaming, and uh, yeah, this is it. Uh, feel free to drop us a line, like you said earlier in the show. Justin dropped the Google voicemail. Drop us a line. Uh, you can find us on you can find us on uh, randomdistribution.com. Uh, you can also that's the main site. You can find us on Twitter at distro one d i s t r o number one. Uh, Facebook at distro one podcast. The fan page there. Keep up with all the the updates and uh, extra show notes and what have you. So yeah, that's where to find us, uh, and also also drop us a line at distro one at random randomdistribution.com. Email us love mail, hate mail, grandma's recipes, whatever you, what have you. So and when uh, when you do send to that email address, we both get it. Um, so you may get a response for for from one of us or um, both of us. Uh, if you don't want a response from uh, from Justin because he's kind of a prick. Say hey, man, Franz, please respond to this. Uh, I don't want to hear from Justin; he's kind of a prick. No, um, <laughs> and uh, also, again, you can hit us up on our comment line. It's four one two two zero four seventy one eighty. I get four one two two zero four seventy one eighty. Uh, we'll try and get him on the air, um, unless you say otherwise. Right. And uh, I think that's it for this uh, for this All episode. Right. All right. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. Episode three on gaming. Check out uh, the great t-shirts from the Cotton Factory. Check out the art of Brian Holderman, bholderman.com. And we will see you next time. Next time.